coronavirus and farm payments. And we get a sneak peek at two big fall farm shows. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at issues across the country as reported by our editors. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This week, we're looking at coronavirus and aid from Washington, D.C., but this is not an all COVID-19 edition. We want to look to the future, and I know of no better way than to learn what's going on with the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. First, we're talking with Jackie Fatka, policy editor for Feedstuffs and Farm Futures. She shares some insight into the new aid package Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue recently announced and some other insights she's picked up recently. Then it's on to Matt Youngman. He's the events manager for Farm Progress, and we discuss the upcoming Farm Progress show on Husker Harvest Days. There are some exciting events planned for both shows. First up, let's talk with Jackie Fatka for that policy insight. Jackie, good to catch up with you. Hope things are dry enough out in Ohio for planters to roll. Um, And maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. You're on the country. What are you seeing? You know, we are pretty wet and cold. Uh, My kids who are stuck at home really want spring to come and stick around. Uh, You know, last year I have a a field in my front yard, which was supposed to be corn last year, it ended up being beans, and they were planted the last weekend in June, right before the 4th of July. So I think all farmers are hoping to at least get something in before June this year, but things are still pretty wet. There are some farm farmers who are out getting in the fields, uh, getting some dirt dirt worked up, but not seeing too many planters rolling yet for sure. That's now, my dad farms in Iowa, though. I did get a an update last night. They are done with all their soybeans. So my dad farms in southwest Iowa, and they got all their beans in. So that's a pretty good first step in the planting progress, at least. Well, that's going to make him feel really good. And knowing him, I'm not surprised. Right. A few things accomplished, right? That's kind of the, the part of this. So that's good. We're, we're planting. Uh, Illinois has been going nuts. My Twitter feed's been lighting up with some wonderful videos around the country of people getting planting done. Meanwhile, um, coronavirus is uh, cutting us off at the knees a little bit. So last Friday at a late press conference on a Friday night, Sonny Purdue comes out with $19 billion, $16 billion for more direct aid, $3 billion to buy commodities. But why don't you break that down for me? And I guess the first question I had was, where did Sunny Purdue find $19 billion? So the CCC, the Commodity Credit Corporation, offers some uh, spending uh, ability for USDA to, to do what it needs to do to, to help support uh, agriculture. So the, the trade facilitation programs, the market, I'm sorry, MFP, market facilitation program payments that we've seen in the last couple of years, those have come from CCC. So we saw 28 billion, uh, but so we had some leftover funds actually. So what we have in that 19 billion that came out on Friday, and this was actually the question I asked Secretary Purdue, because I like to know how the money's divvied up, where we get it and so forth. And so 9.6 9.6 billion came from the CARES Act for livestock producers. So that was a specific allocation that was in the CARES Act, which was passed also in a late night hour, uh, in or at least on the Senate uh, in the end of March, March 25th. And so we had 9.6 billion for livestock producers. Then we also have 6.5 billion left over from what they hadn't used from pretty much the trade promotion payments that had gone out, trade mitigation payments. So the leftover there is where we're starting to see some of this money kind of divvied out. Um, I should also note that the CARES Act called for $14 billion in CCC funds to be used under USDA's discretion, but that won't be available until July 1st. So 
this first wave of support focused on livestock producers, rightfully so. They've seen their prices really crash within the last several weeks, months. And so we've got of the 9.6 billion for livestock, we've got 5.1 for cattle, which cattle has seen a huge impact at all of the different segments in that industry. 2.9 for dairy, and I'm meaning billion here, 2.9 billion for dairy, 1.6 billion for hogs, 3.9 billion for row crops, 2.1 billion for specialty crops, and then 500 million for other crops. So that's kind of the breakdown. Um, And then they're figuring those prices. Now, the other thing to remember too, this will have to be promulgated in a rule. USDA will have to release that rule. Uh, It will be essentially a go into effect once the rule is published. It it won't be something that will have to be public comment period and and kind of longer rule period that sometimes happens. But USDA has to be able to justify how they're making the payments, how the payments were divvied up. So that's why we've got a few more weeks before we're going to see any of this check money in the mail. Um, So we've got from the way I understand it, the price losses from what people producers saw from January 1st to April 15th will compensate 85% of their loss of that payment that they're going to get. And then they'll also look what their expected losses could be in the next couple of quarters to also combine up with that payment. So we are still waiting for a lot of the details, but we are getting kind of the guardrails of how much money we could see. There's also some payment limits that are in there, which will impact, for instance, hog producers more. As you look at the larger hog producers, they're gonna be impacted differently at that $250,000 payment limit if you look at a 40,000 hog uh, sow operation. But from that, I mean, how, so the payments are weeks away? I. Uh, Secretary Purdue said he hopes to have the checks in the mail by the end of May. So we, w- we would see uh, things probably coming out with more details here in the next couple of weeks and checks actually coming in. We'll see some self-certification on your acres or your uh, animals, what you've got on, on, on hand. Obviously, with FSA offices closed, your USDA uh, interfacing offices closed right now, there's going to be some paperwork that they're going to have to fill out. But I think especially for those folks who filled out the paperwork for the MFP payments, I think it's going to be fairly similar to that. So you've been on a lot of calls. You've been talking to a lot of people um, or hearing from a lot of people, maybe not talking to everybody because on webinars, it's a lot of listening. Uh, What are you hearing? You sat in on the Commodity Futures Trading Commission meeting yesterday. Wednesday afternoon, the CFTC had a first one in quite a while, an Ag Advisory Committee meeting, which uh, just just to note, the CFTC is a regulatory regulatory agency that oversees how the markets function, the future markets, cash prices. uh, And and so yesterday, the Ag Advisory Committee featured all of the, the commissioners, which there are five, which has actually been several years before we've had, since we've had a full slate of commissioners um, for several years during the end of the Obama administration and even the beginning of the Trump administration, we didn't have a full slate of commissioners. And that's actually usually some Democrats and some Republican commissioners. Uh, and then we also, on this the Ag Advisory Committee, there was uh, presentations from the CME group as well as the ICE And also there were members from all different stakeholders. So beef producers, grain producers, rice producers, uh, several different stakeholders who were listening in and and had the opportunity to ask questions to all of those different individuals. And, And then Secretary Purdue was also on the call, as well as his chief economist 
and uh, kind of gave an overview of some of the things. Obviously, we've seen some really big price swings in recent, in recent months. Cattle producers specifically have really been crying foul on some of the changes in what they're seeing for their live cattle futures, uh, feeder cattle futures, compared to what boxed beef prices have done. And so they're, uh, the CFTC chairman actually announced that they will be launching a livestock task force to do some investigation uh, with their market surveillance and their oversight investigation. Uh, and obviously, USDA has been doing some of that as well. Uh, they also announced that they're going to have a liaison with the USDA. Um, I think there was always one the other way around, there was always a USDA liaison for CFTC, but now CFTC will have one with the USDA. Um, and actually, when you look at the history of the CFTC, it was born out of an agency that was previously housed at the USDA, because before we had as much electronic trading that we do now, we did have a lot of this in the ag markets. Um, so some kind of interesting things, a lot of people are watching to make sure that, that nobody is doing wrong. Um, and trying to manipulate the market or take advantage of the current situation when it comes to COVID. Uh, obviously, sometimes these investigations go on for a while, and we've seen that with the USDA investigation from the Holcomb fire that happened at a beef plant in Kansas last August. Uh, they actually announced a couple weeks ago that they will be rolling in some of the price uh, volatility that's happened within the cattle market in the recent COVID-19 situation and also add that to what they were studying as what happened from Holcomb. Um, so who knows? We could have a long, long time before we have anything that's actually announced from that, but there are people who are looking at it. People want to make sure that the markets are functioning as they should and continuing to offer accurate prices as well as price discovery for market participants. Anything that you're seeing with regard to um, just other um tactics or other conversations on the political side that people are looking at. I mean, we just had our uh, latest, uh, the House, I think, will approve the latest big uh, aid package uh, with the Paycheck paycheck Protection Plan, which I believe has some stuff in it, more stuff in it for agriculture. Um, but anything else brewing from what you're hearing when you're talking or in these conversations with people? You know, with the PPP, I think one thing is, uh, I mean, it's it's no secret that we blew through that money really fast um, from that first three hundred and forty nine billion uh, two point eight percent of the applicants for farmers, only one point two percent of the funds. So there was some farmers who were able to do uh, take advantage of those uh, that money. Uh, there was a lot of concern really early on from whether farmers would even be able to qualify for it. And so depending on your bank and how that that bank looked at your business kind of impacted. So I've sat on quite a few webinars, Kansas and Illinois and uh, Indiana, actually all different. And, and there's there's kind of different tweaks and views on that. This week, they did say that the economic injury disaster loans will be for farmers. So I think that that's a, a good thing. Uh, I think before we get more money thrown at this, which this week today is Thursday, and it does look like the House will approve what the Senate uh, agreed to earlier this week with the extra PPP funds and, and kind of this 2.0, CARES 2.0. But, you know, as we kind of go forward, I think a lot of people are just saying, let's just wait and see how this all works. Are we do we need to make changes instead of just continuing to throw money at a problem that we don't really fully know what the problem is? Uh, we mentioned earlier, you and I talked earlier about the CCC funds. 
I should note, really, a lot of ag groups and, you know, House uh, ranking member, House Agriculture ranking member Conaway, they were asking for $50 billion. They got 14. So if you remember, there was kind of that back and forth between the House and the Senate. And what happened within that is we got a lot less for agriculture when it comes to replenishing the CCC funds. So as we go forward, will we see more CCC funds? Obviously, a lot of people are saying this isn't enough. And so everybody now, you're seeing a lot of the economic reports come out from individual groups, whether it's the beef producers or this week I saw one from the corn producers on, you know, what what the actual cost is to them because of all this. The corn producers are saying that they're losing $50 of revenue per acre based on the price drops that we've seen. It will all come down to what USDA's economists say. I think everybody's groups kind of fluff up, I guess you could say, or, or you know, try to to beef up what their uh, actual loss losses would be so that if they don't get as much, then they'll at least cover part of those losses. Nobody's going to be made whole. And I think that that is evident in every segment of the economy, not just agriculture. So I think we want to make sure that we're creating, there's, there is no level playing field. I think we want to make sure that we're limiting some of the risk that farmers obviously are facing when it comes to unknown risk and impact. So I, I mean, I think going forward, we're going to obviously see more money from Congress uh, in, in how that is doled out will matter, whether it's USDA writing a direct payment check, whether it's USDA buying up more purchases of food. I think there is kind of interesting how they're going to do some of that going forward um, and making sure that the people that need our food get to it and farmers are able to be compensated for that. You know, it's an interesting, I mean, interesting is the wrong word. It's a disaster. We've had seven years of soft prices and then this thing slaps us in the face. And so we need to figure out how we can even survive. Add into that, we have uncovered something that we've known for a long time. A just-in-time targeted manufacturing process can be disrupted pretty easily. And that's what's happened in the livestock industry. When you dedicate your plant to one thing and that thing disappears, you can't just shift the ship over and produce the other thing. In other words, go from food service to consumer products and things like that. So many different factors at play here. And you're right. Jackie Facca, you've been covering this for a while. We appreciate your coverage. Uh, I joke about you being our in-house policy wonk, but you do get it done. We've been talking to Jackie Facca, the policy editor at Feedstuffs and Farm Futures. Good luck to you. Enjoy all the calls you're going to be on. And I know you enjoy watching C-SPAN as well. Take care and have a great day. Thanks, Willie. Great talking with you. Anyone who's ever read my Farmer Iron column in one of our state or regional magazines knows I have a thing for farm shows. I love seeing new tools, talking to farmers, and getting an update on what's coming. There's no better place for that than the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. And yes, that's a biased comment from an employee of the company that owns both shows. But I digress. Let's check in with Matt Youngman, events manager, to learn more. So, Matt, I think I caught you and pulled you out of a planter. Is that true? Well, I wasn't in the planter, but I'm I'm kind of the air traffic controller here at the farm, keeping seed in the planter and keeping the kids running the mowers and giving the show pig shots and just generally keeping everything all aimed in the same direction. And that's at your place. But at the meantime, there's been stuff going on both in Boone and near Grand Island, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, you know, 
compared to if you, if you think about last spring and and how tough it was to get planted um to be in the position we're in which is all the field demo corn is in the ground at husker harvest days and farm progress show it's uh it's a real big weight lifted off of 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 everyone's shoulders there's a lot of hands in this and and a lot of people that are concerned about it and work hard and worry about it and so to have it in the ground in good conditions with you know in in a good time on the calendar with with a a nice rain on the way it's pretty comfortable right now so give me some perspective when did the corn go in the ground last year in indicator so we I, honestly, I think I may have mentally blocked that out of my mind. It, it was uh, um, we, we had a lot of deadlines. I think it was May 17th, 18th, 19th, right in there is when we finally got the corn in the ground. And, you know, we have we have a little more flexibility last year when we're in Decatur than we do when we're in Boone. When we're in Boone, we're far enough north that we're planting 80, 82 day hybrids and you just can't get any earlier than that. So we've got to make get them in the ground on or around april 20th in order to be sure that we're going to get enough heat units through the summer on a normal summer to have 25 percent moisture corn on the the tuesday wednesday thursday ahead of labor day and so at this point we have done everything that can be done to ensure field demonstrations at at both shows well, that's fantastic because i mean you and i always talk about this every year when are we going in the corn and where are we? So we're very excited that we are in the ground as of the recording of this podcast, which is we are talking today on the 23rd of April. Hot dog. Yeah, that's right. So the so today's the 23rd. The Husker was done on the 20th and Farm Progress was done on the 21st. And, it, you know, realistically, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You can't get any more ideal than just being, you know, about anybody in the Corn Belt would take being done with corn on April 21st. They, they would take that and run with it. And so we're just going to be very happy with that. Oh, that's fantastic. So as we look forward to the shows, And obviously, we are September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa, and we are September 15th, 16th, and 17th in in Grand Island for Husker Harvest Days. Um, But let's look at the shows for a minute. There are a couple of big things going on at both shows, and then a couple of interesting things that might be different for the Farm Progress Show. So let's start with Farm Progress Show first. We have two major additions this year, Um, maybe one that's returning and then something new, right? Yeah, so you know the beauty of these shows is that that really it's it's a quick snapshot of of the advancements or the changes that happen over the course of the year. So over the course of the year, and and as you know from the work that we we do in the winter shows to go around and talk to people and talk about what's new, primarily Raven as the vendor right now, but in talking about autonomy, um, that is the next. That's probably the next big step and nowhere better than the Farm Progress Show to put it on display and have demonstrations and be interactive and and let folks, you know, the the joke we made is that it would be a hands-off demonstration. It'd be, you know, get your hands off of of the autonomy and watch the machines do their thing. We kind of dipped our toe in last year by running an autonomous auger cart next to a combine in the demonstration, and we're, we're just developing it further and the u.s introduction of dot is going to be a really hot item uh at the show this year we're really really excited about that and if you don't know what dot is uh and willie i I, you know you probably have done the research better than i can but but dot is going to be a a really special addition to the show this year pretty advanced technology this is a autonomous power unit that can be attached to different types of application or use equipment, planter, sprayer, spreader, 
Um, and there's a lot going on there. And I think from what I've seen, it's going to surprise people because sometimes when you, th- you see it, you think it's a small robot. This is a working tractor with, yeah, I, with no cab. The way I explained it to my father-in-law is you remember the uni back in the 70s when there was this one power unit that had all kinds of things you would attach to it. It's like that, but it's a robot that, you know, you can attach all kinds of different things to it. And it'll do all kinds of different jobs throughout the year with these different attachments. So they've got great partnerships with a lot of different vendors to create these attachments to do to do a good job with, with whatever, whether it's spraying or planting or, or whatever it's doing. And, and this will be our centerpiece for the autonomy showcase, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And, you know, Raven has stepped up. They have now purchased all of that and all of Smart Ag. And so they, they, they you know, the the. The, it seems to me, and you're you're kind of more of an expert on this stuff than I am, but it seems to me that they have bought the the, the things in the market that were closest to being market ready and, and actually at the you know starting to retail them. They they have kind of they're they're in a really strong position in my opinion to in this category. I think it'll be fun to watch this equipment run, and I think as we look at this summer, hopefully some other uh, uh, vendors will join us. But for sure, even those two pieces, which the Smart Ag system, the autonomous grain auger cart as well as the dot are pretty interesting to look at. So uh, last year we had something at the show, Farm Progress Show, that is now going to be back and going to be also added to Husker Harvest Days. And I want to mention the Autonomy Showcase will be at both shows this year. Um, but uh, you're getting a little high. Not really. <laughs> um, you're, you you had hemp last year at the Farm Progress Show. We're going to have it back for both shows this year. How's it going to be different this year at the Hemp Pavilion? Yeah, so, you know, that was that was something that came together really quickly and and you know it, it's interesting to navigate the rules when you're doing a show in Illinois versus Iowa versus Nebraska everybody it's all one USDA ruling that's all being implemented at different paces and different timing and different interpretations and and, and that kind of thing so we had the hemp pavilion indicator last year and we're going to bring that back we're continuing to work with you know the folks at, at the National Hemp Association. That that's a real good group of people. They created the the content and provided the speakers and they brought things in from around the country. There's a hemp house that has all these hemp building components, building um, you know the the substrates of the floors and 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 all the finishes on the walls are all hemp related, and different ways of showing how industrial hemp can be used. They're going to have the BMW there. The there's a line of BMWs that uses hemp fiber in the side panels on the interior of the car. So just a lot of places where industrial hemp is used. So we're going to have the hemp pavilion at Farm Progress Show, the hemp pavilion at Husker Harvest Days. And as we were just talking with the field demonstration discussion, we set aside two acres to grow enough industrial hemp that we, we hope to be able to do some hemp demonstrations at the show. The funny thing is, in order to get that hemp grown, I have to go through an FBI background check and jump through a lot of paperwork hoops and, and no different than any farmer across the country who wants to grow hemp. I've got to get this done. Part of that is getting fingerprinted. And with the social distancing that's going on right now, I'm having a heck of a time figuring out how to get my fingerprints taken because all the places that you go and get it done have the doors locked and, and I can't get an appointment made. So that's the holdup right now on on the hemp plot at the Farm Progress Show. I'm sure we're going to get through it. And, and in a few weeks here, we're going to get some hemp in the ground and and be underway. But it's something, certainly something new and cool to 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 do. You know, since we went to these permanent sites, 
we we need to be doing everything we can to make sure that the 2020 farm progress show and the 2020 husker harvest days are new and special and different and unique and not just a rehash of everything that folks have seen in the past so that's our challenge and between autonomy and and industrial hemp that this is going to certainly be a special year for both shows that is exciting it's good i was going to suggest that you speed from your farm over to boone to check things out and maybe the highway patrol could help you with that fingerprint problem but that's probably not the best advice i could give you that is not the way i want to get it done i'm proud to say i've not been in a police in a police station getting fingerprinted ever and i I, this was this is about the only time i want to get it done yeah i appreciate that and it's probably something we should avoid there's something else are we are we going to float a tractor at farm progress show this year i that that's still under discussion okay Um, yeah i hope so that was that was pretty cool. Those guys, I, I met with them at Louisville, and just like I was saying earlier, they don't want to rehash and just redo what they did. If they're going to do it, they want it to be bigger, better, cooler, hook something to the back of it, do some, do something, you know, take the next step on that. So we're still in discussions on how to get that done, but we certainly have the place to do it and, and a you know, a nice a nice big retention pond there to, to do that. Well, they could put a party boat on the back of it, and then we could have that at, after, never mind. That's probably yeah. not a good idea for after the show night on like Tuesday and Wednesday night. Wednesday <laughs> night would be great. Party boat behind the floating tractor. I think there's nothing wrong with that, right? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that, so it's still time. We have not, you know, what we do about the Good Idea Ferry. The Good Idea That's Ferry right. is still alive and well er, this early on. As soon as the show program goes to print, yeah, we have, we get rid of the, the Good Idea Ferry. Yeah, that's a, that's a, by the way, those of you listening to this for the very first time, the Good Idea Ferry, there are a lot of great ideas that come to the show team every year. We listen to all of them. We vet them. All of us talk about them, uh, sometimes with a little sidearm humor. But the point is that a point, eventually you have to stick a, a fork in the ground, a stake in the ground and say, we're done with the new ideas. We're going to do the things we can do. And that's the time, right? When we yep. lock in that show program, we're done. Uh, yep. I think last year it was right on the very edge for the Hemp Pavilion at Farm Progress show. Actually, we were beyond it because we weren't yeah. able to get any content in the program. That, that's one of those times where we resurrected the Good Idea Ferry right after we had the ceremonial shooting of the Good Idea Ferry. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. We're hopefully not doing that this year. A couple of things. Um, if, I, if I were to uh, just say beam in from another planet, how would you tell me what's different about the Farm Progress show versus Husker? Because they're both of, of a similar size. Um, right. so if I, it, it, what, if I were go, I would go to both. I know I go to both. How would you tell someone how you would differentiate the two shows? That's a fantastic question. They are both fantastic shows. Um, and they are, if you have, if, if, if you haven't been to both, whichever one you haven't been to get, get, get it on your, get it on your calendar. Yeah, I recommend um, that. Absolutely. The farm progress show, just, you know, the overview of farm progress show is that it, it's the, it's the first it's the oldest it's been around the longest because it's the first one all the product introductions happen there there's a lot of media there there's a lot of international visitors there's there it, it is a it is a spectacle of agriculture it is primarily a row crop event when we're in Iowa there is a good solid beef contingent at the show less so in Decatur but when we're in Boone it, it's a good it's a good beef show Husker uh, you know if, if to compare Husker to farm progress it's just as big uh in terms of footprint of the exhibit area and the field demonstrations and all those kind of things but it kind of has more and 20 percent of that exhibit field has to do with beef and feedlot and cow calf 
production and all of the things that go into that, as well as the fact that you're right in the heart of the row crop irrigated acres in the country. So the big four irrigation companies, it is there for, for the, you know, the Ranky, Lindsay, TL, th- those guys, it is their biggest show, Valley. I better name them all. Yeah, I was going to say Valley, you have to add them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it is their biggest show of the year because it is it is in the heart of their of their market. So it's big on irrigation. It's really big on livestock. In addition to the corn demos, like we would have at Farm Progress Show, we also run alfalfa demonstrations. You know, so we mow, rake, and bale alfalfa at at Husker Harvest Days as well. And and you know, in in general terms, they kind of reflect the neighborhood that they're in. When you're in DK, when Farm Progress shows indicator, you're in the cash grain desert, as Mike Wilson says, and yes. and it is it is corn and soybeans. When you're in Boone, Iowa, it's still corn and soybeans with a little more beef. When you get to Grand Island, Nebraska, it's irrigated row crops and it's beef. And and you know, so it, it and for my you know my friends around here that are in that, that do beef you know when i tell them that, that you know they really like the cattle handling demonstrations of farm progress show when we're in boone and those are really good and we'll have right. you know three four five six head shoots in in the demonstration go to husker harvest days for the cattle handling demonstration and you have 13 head shoots in the cattle handling demonstrations and a waiting list of companies to get their shoots into the demo so i mean it that speaks to the kind of beef show that it is out there yeah, and we've added another level. Last year, our beef and beef producer teams, as well as Amanda Radke from Beef Magazine, provided uh, seminars in between the cattle handling demos to provide background information on everything from dealing with consumers to grazing to other issues happening in the beef industry. And we're building on that this year at Husker Harvest Days as well. Oh, by the way, you did raise the name Mike Wilson. For those of you listening, Mike Wilson is the editor of Farm Futures. Um, From your standpoint, then, uh, you're locked and loaded. I mean, there's uh, plant corns in the ground, oats are in the ground, parking lots are planted. Uh, We've made our significant starting investments. We're ready to rock and roll. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. In, in, In September, you know, we're we're in September with both shows this year. I, 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 in my heart, I just really think that that whatever the new normal is going to be, I think the new normal will be underway and we'll be able to have these shows. Well, I'm excited about that. We've been talking to Matt Youngman, the events manager at Farm Progress. Good <laughs> to talk to you, sir. Uh, have a good day. Stay safe and uh, enjoy planting time. Very good. Thanks a lot, Willie. Thanks to Jackie Facka from Feedstuffs and Farm Futures and Matt Youngman from the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. It's good to get updated on a range of issues from the shows to the continuing challenges surrounding coronavirus. The entire Farm Progress team is covering the COVID-19 issue from across the country with local insights into what's happening and constructive ideas on actions producers can take to protect themselves and their businesses. That information is starting to appear in our magazines, but you can also find our coverage by visiting farmprogress.com forward slash coronavirus. Again, farmprogress.com forward slash coronavirus. This site section is constantly being updated. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional magazines, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs. And of course, the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.